will. <laughs> okay, so welcome back, Sharpen the Sword. I think we're at episode six. Uh, first of all, want to congratulate Andrea for making the Bengals. Oh, thank I think you. A lot of people have asked, and in case you're one of the few people who haven't figured that out or seen the results, she made the team for the second year. So congrats on that. I'm sure you'll hear more about that journey as we go through uh, podcasts in the future. Um, also wanted to briefly cover what we're going to go over today in case you want to just stop listening right now. But uh, this isn't the sexy stuff of like training protocols and nutrition and supplements and sleep. This has more to do with the habits that lead to the results, the behavior change that you can do for the rest of your life. So while it is not the uh, most interesting topic, I find it fascinating that people adopt certain habits and other people do not and why that is and what are the triggers and the cues that lead to those habits. So I want to kind of preface this whole talk on what I feel is uh, a big discussion on motivation versus discipline. And I feel like everybody is motivated to do something, whether it's weight loss, if we're talking about fitness, et cetera, or looking better. I think everyone says they're motivated or they're motivated to make more money or they're motivated to work harder. But at the end of the day or week or your life, what really matters and how you measure it and your metrics and your scorecard is based on the actions that you take which in my mind is a perfect definition for discipline. So the actions you take directly related to your motivating factors is discipline. For instance, I remember sitting at um, a place I used to work at for years thinking, man, I would love to open my own gym one day. I think it'd be really fun and exciting, challenging. And I bet I just sat on that thought for years. I was motivated to do it, but I didn't pull the trigger because I didn't have enough to be honest, enough balls to do it, enough nerve, enough money, enough, a lot of things. But if I kept waiting for enough, 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 I would have never opened Adrenaline Sports. And I think you could probably think of multiple examples in your life where you wanted to do something or you wanted to look a certain way or perform a certain way, etc. And you were motivated to do that, but then it stopped right there. So really take a hard look in the mirror and ask, is this just pure motivation Can you look at any more memes on the internet or on Instagram? There's just only so many ways you can motivate somebody and then it just doesn't work anymore. It's like saying I love you to somebody over and over and over. It doesn't mean the same thing versus if you say it every now and then with true meaning. So motivation is almost a fleeting, easy way out. I think it's a meal ticket. The best way to determine if something has come to fruition is the discipline that follows. And I mean that from my heart. If you're not disciplined, don't complain about your lack of results. Everybody says they want something, but really you have to determine what are the action steps behind that. Anything to add on that one? That was good. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of questions that I've just heard people ask in general and people have asked me, uh, you know, how do you stay motivated? And especially with kind of the sport that I do, a lot of it is based off of your level of fitness and your actual physique, how you look. Um, And people ask all the time, how do you stay motivated to actually work out um, every week, 
you know, there's not really a lot of room for professional cheerleaders to kind of go off of their diet and training often, just because, like I said, a lot of it depends, a lot of the sport depends on how you look. Um, and it's not, I rarely feel, I say I probably feel motivated 50% of the time, maybe more than that, like 60% of the time. But one thing that I really learned through being on this team, especially in my first year, is that, you know, having external factors to motivate you will only get you so far. If you're not actually building the habits and the discipline, um, you just won't make it. So I think, again, that's really important. I really, in the past year, have learned how to self-discipline myself a lot more. Um, that was really hard, but I can say definitely, especially since I just finished my second tryout process, that things are 100% different for me this year than they were last year. Um, and that is 100% due to just kind of trying to nail down certain habits and a little bit getting a little bit better at that and um, trying to be more self-disciplined. So for me personally, I never think about external motivational factors. I have goals uh, that I want to reach, and I'd say that motivates me, but you can't just wake up in the morning and say, oh, I don't feel motivated today. I'm not going to work out. So that's what I have to say about that. (laughs) And I think once you become disciplined at one thing, it branches out to other things. Mm -hmm. So if you're, and we can always use fitness examples since that's what most people tune in for. If your motivation is to look better for this summer, uh, by losing 20 pounds and you achieve that goal, I would venture to guess that other things in your life have also become more disciplined because of the action you took to, to lose that weight. So it has a trickle-down effect to other things. It's not like just one thing provides the discipline. And if you, if you just do simple things, like I will never forget a speech. I cannot remember the guy's name. But he just said during a commencement speech, wake up today and just make your bed just that's it make your bed and then see what else happens through that one simple act and what he found through the military that people who made their bed in the morning were more disciplined throughout the day it's such a simple thing and i don't make my bed at all but i mean the days that i think about it and do it it kind of changes the rest of the day some days i just wake up and i don't do it i don't necessarily have a a non-productive day but it does seem to start the process on a very positive note versus just kind of going through the motions okay so that's my little rant on motivation and discipline uh, good stuff from andrea from her and let's dive into habits and behaviors so if you don't have um some of this i'm going to dr- derive from James Clear, I think he's one of the leading practical experts on habit change. So I'm going to derive a lot of this from his his stuff. Um, BJ uh, uh, Fogg as well, Carol Dweck, some of the people that I follow about long-term behavior and how to maintain those behaviors. But for the most part, we're going to summarize that and then add in our little anecdotal stuff. But if there's not a strong enough cue, then you're not going to change something. And again, if we use weight loss, your physique, anything related to health, 
you've got a wedding coming up. We've we've got a guy here that is training very very hard for I think what three weddings this summer, mm-hmm. two weddings. And I don't know if he would be here without that. So his cue, his trigger is to fit in his tux and look the best he can for his kids' weddings this summer. Now, what happens after that, who knows? But that was a strong enough um, response for him to make some kind of change with his lifestyle, his fitness, his training, his nutrition. And and after that, who knows? But I got a feeling he's going to go right back to his old ways. <laughs> but, and that's fine. But for the sake of this discussion, if you want to change something bad enough, the cue has to be strong enough. If it's not, you're not going to change. And I will give you my personal example. Every time I would get on stage in nothing but a Speedo and have 100 to 200 sets of eyes on me, judging every little flaw in my body, that was a really, really big trigger for me to look my best and to have my body fat as low as possible. And so I wanted everything to be as perfect as it could be and I was in 100% control of how I looked. I wasn't in control of the outcome as a lot of judging based events are, but I knew if I presented my best version of my physique, then I've done all I can do. That was my big trigger. I do not wanna look bad for myself, my family, in front of the competitors, the judges, and I think probably cheerleading is very much the same way. You're being um, judged based on how your physique looks as well as your skill level. So I would always think of, well, if someone is going to look at me on stage, how am I going to make that presentation for, uh, unforgettable? And, and hopefully that led to a, a good placing. Uh, but that was my cue. And that led to the second step of the habit loop, which is the craving. And that means the desire to take some kind of action to create some kind of change. So if the goal is, again, I keep using weight loss, but that seems to be a common goal for some people at some point in their life. If the cue is I've got a vacation or I'm going to be um, on a beach somewhere or a wedding, um, that triggers some kind of desire to change. That is the craving part of the habit loop. That leads to the response, which is the precursor to the last section, which is the reward. And the response is where that motivation and discipline kind of merge. And so the action becomes sustainable it leads to some kind of either tangible or or non-tangible reward. Maybe you feel better, maybe you look better. Either way, it continues that. And then that leads back directly to the cue of I wanted to look better. That's what started this journey in the first place. Um, I know when I would get ready for a show, I would back up about 12 weeks and I would visualize what I wanted to look like. And so every time I trained and as tired as I was, it didn't matter. I was locked in, laser focused, and that became my craving to look like that. That led to that discipline, which would be the response that I wanted to achieve. And ultimately the reward for me was the physique on stage. So you can follow that loop. It's cue, craving, response, and reward. Those are the four. Those have been proven to be the logical steps for any kind of habit change to start. You can also follow that to some degree to break a bad habit, which we'll talk about later. Okay, so you're probably thinking, 
all right, fine and dandy, it worked for you. You got on stage, you're more disciplined than I, and that's not true at all. Every single day, I did not want to train. I did not want to meal prep. I did not want to eat one more piece of meat or <laughs> have one more egg. But the urge to, to get where I wanted to be was much stronger than any urge to fail or stop. So when you get really close to a goal and it's very achievable and it's realistic and the, the light at the end of the tunnel is right there, they call that zone the Goldilocks zone or the rule of the Goldilocks zone. And it's when optimal motivation occurs because your end goal is very near. So I'll give you another example. If you are, uh, let's say you are 30% body fat, not a bad number, and you want to get to 25% body fat, that is very realistic, very achievable, and there's a high chance of probability that you will get there. If you are 30% body fat and you say, I want to get to single digits, your motivation will wane substantially more because that's well outside the Goldie's, Goldilocks zone. It's almost unattainable because you haven't even gotten below 25% yet. So your motivation may be there, but the lack of, of proximity to where you want to get, that distance is too much to cover, if that makes sense. Somewhere between where you are and where you want to be, look at the proximity of where you, that, that, that end point is and how close are you to that. If you want to make um, half a million dollars as your annual salary, and right now you're making 50, that distance is too great to cover. It doesn't mean it won't happen. It doesn't mean it won't happen. But if you said, I'm making 50 and I want to make $100,000, you've decreased the odds of, of failing on that because your proximity to $100,000 is much closer. So be realistic on how achievable some of the things that you want to happen um, are. And if they're, they're not realistic, that doesn't mean you can't dream and have your head in the clouds. Just remember that the probability is against that happening. At some point, your motivation needs to be close enough and your discipline needs to be close enough that you can almost taste it. You can almost see the end in sight. Otherwise, again, research has shown, shown that the further away the goal, the less the discipline uh, will, will be successful. I have something to add to that. Do it. Um, so talking about kind of um, like setting your goals, I think it's important, like Tony said, to make sure that you have realistic goals. Something that I do, I have, I write everything out. So I have, and I think you should write your goals down if you have specific goals. I think writing them down is a good step to kind of remind you. But I have two whiteboards that I keep at home and I, on one board, I just put like the most outrageous goals that I have, whether it's things that like I want to see in 10 years, 20 years, um, goals that I have that are like cheer related, but years from now, um, but I never make a goal that's like big and outrageous without writing. So I use a second board where I write down my realistic goals and where I actually list out action steps for me to take to get to like the smaller goal. So any kind of bigger, more realistic head in the cloud type thing that I think about, um, I always break that down and make smaller realistic goals and steps to actually getting there. So I think that that's important. I think it's important to have those things in the head 
maybe you are you know decently overweight and one you just one time <laughs> okay maybe you're overweight and one day you you've just always it's been your dream to compete in some sort of bodybuilding competition that's great but you know at some point you have to break that down to a smaller goal like tony said you know what's your first step first you just need to get within um, a healthy range of weight for you and how are you going to do that you're not going to do the same type of training or diet that you would to actually do that for a bodybuilding competition. So I think both are important. Yeah, don't misconstrue what we're saying. We're not saying have big dreams, big goals. In fact, I've got something I'm looking at right now in our office at, at our facility. It says BHAG, Big Hairy Audacious Goal. And they're big. I mean, those goals we've never achieved in our business in 13 years of existence. But it does give your compass somewhere to point. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. I have not achieved any of those goals, to be quite honest. But it gives me some kind of reminder that I'm closer. I kept those Mm -hmm. goals uh, very realistic, but just slightly outside of what we've done in the past. So instead of saying we want to gross say $3 million, which is completely unrealistic for a small facility like ours, maybe we can gross $500,000. And that's very much within our range. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that, and like Andrea said, when I see it every day, it reminds me of what some of the bigger goals are. And then you break it down into chunks and you can chunk out your objectives within those goals. Yeah, I think it's very important to have that reminder to yourself can always reach for it even yeah. if you don't get there yeah what's that saying reach for the moon if you miss you'll be amongst the stars yeah something like that wow that was beautiful <laughs> okay <laughs> she's mocking me right now it's beautiful okay so the last section would be how to actually go about creating a good habit and then maybe deconstructing a bad habit that you want to change so Taking directly out of James Clear's uh, work, his book is called Atomic Habits. I'm not going to take credit for this one because I just love how easy he makes these. So I'm just going to paraphrase. They're mowing the grass outside here. That was not my butt. (laughs) It sounded like (laughs) they are mowing the grass. Thanks for clarifying that it wasn't yeah. your butt. Yeah, it sounded like a big fart. We, but, needed, okay. we needed that clarification. So the first rule or law of creating a good habit or starting a good habit is to make it obvious. Sometimes that means writing it down. So I will do this at this time at this location. So I will exercise on Monday at 6.30 p.m. at Adrenaline Sports. That's a very... Uh, factual statement. It's not like oh, I'm going to train at some point this week. That just does. That's way too vague. You'll find some way to get out of that, and you'll never get that Monday started. Right after that happens, you would stack something else. Right after my session on Monday at 6:30 p.m., I will have a protein shake. So you're using one habit to reinforce the next one. And when you get home, guess what? That protein shake is already in the refrigerator. If you get home and you have your choice, you may decide to do something else. Watch television, answer emails, get on your phone, and before you know it, you've missed that opportunity to stack that habit 
one after the other. Um, you can decide to write these down. You can decide to have them in your head as long as they're always top of mind. Um, I know calendars work for a lot of people. Maybe they just X off a day that they trained. It's just like a big calendar and it's got an X next to it. That means that you've had a successful day of training or eating right or working on your novel or whatever it does have to be related to fitness. Okay, so you've made it pretty obvious. The second law would be to make it attractive. Uh, it's kind of a weird way to, to sound, but you're going to make it attractive to you and to your, your um, uh, environment. That's what I'm looking for. So one way to do that is to find other people that have similar goals, like a gym, where you like the people, you like that they have similar goals as you, they have similar struggles as you. So you join a community that creates some kind of culture that's very aligned with what your culture is. Those all lead to like a ritual. So again, going back to the statement on the first law, on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I'm going to, now you don't like make it a question, I should or I will, I am going to exercise at the 6.30 p.m. session. Uh, so you make it a statement as if it's already been done. So one of the things that I have a hard time with is I enjoy a lot of things and so I have to literally chunk out my day. So every morning I will read for 30 minutes before I do anything else. I get up and that's the first thing I find out uh, the page I left off at and I have to read 30 minutes. It's not a, a negotiable thing for me. It's non-negotiable. It is something I'm going to do every single day regardless of the circumstances. Um, at the end of the night, I will read another 30 minutes. It's just, I just make up my mind. That's a habit. I love to read, so it's very easy for me to do that, but I still have to design my day around those 30-minute chunks. The third law is to make it easy, which, pardon the pun, is easier said than done. But, uh, for example, if you're going to exercise at 6.30 p.m., Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you put out your bag of clothes or you change it and you literally put it in your car <clears throat> or you put it right at the door before you leave. And you literally have to walk over it or stumble for, for that bag to make its presence known. That's called like priming the environment. If you want to have a protein shake after you train, don't go home and make it. Have it already made. That's one example. A lot of people, I shouldn't say a lot of people, some people like to or do meal prep. So you've primed your environment to eat correctly because the meal is already prepared. Uh, that will make your future actions much easier than if you had to go home and actually cook your meal, which may end up be some kind of fast food joint on the way home. Can I interrupt that real quick? Yes, ma'am. Um, something that I do, I meal prep all the time. That's just become a very necessary habit for me and I know on days where I'm pretty routined with it now that I do it every single weekend um, but if it's for some reason I haven't meal prepped and I'm going home even if I'm motivated and I have the best intentions and I don't necessarily want to eat something crappy I'm tired and I just don't feel like taking the time to actually make something that I should eat so again that's like making it easy for you 
and you can plan that out. Like I, for me, I meal prep every Sunday, every Wednesday. That's just something I do. It's a non-negotiable. I make time for it no matter what. And sometimes, I mean, it could be 30 minutes to an hour. It doesn't have to be some big, crazy process, but that 100% makes my life easier. It makes, it's now just become a habit and it helps me to reach my goals and I guess kind of say, stay motivated because that's something that's easy for me now. My food's always made. I don't have to question it. And some of these habits don't have to be grandiose on their scale. Mm-hmm. It could be, I just want to drink more water today. Or, or to make it even more specific, I will drink eight more ounces every meal of water. And so it doesn't have to be these big things. I need to lose 50 pounds. That's, that's not a goal. That's an end result. Mm-hmm. So when you chunk it out and you make it, okay, to, to start my weight loss journey Today, I'm going to drink more water, eight ounces to be exact. Those are the type of things that are sustainable and will keep you on track. If you think always of the end goal, and you also miss the, the, I think, the true teachers of this, which is the process and the journey, not the end destination. So anyway, just a side note. Um, And then finally, the fourth law is to make it satisfying that you actually enjoy the process of making this habit from scratch or possibly improving a habit that you've been working on. So like feel good about working out and drinking your protein shake or meal prepping your food. That should be something that you internally reward yourself with. Uh, It's okay to kind of just sit there and soak in the moment. Um, There's nothing better than doing something that gets you closer to what your optimal result is. And that's staying in that Goldilocks zone which is that midpoint between doing nothing about it and then being overly anxious about it. If you need to use technology, I know a lot of people like to track their food, their macros, et cetera, their calories. And if that keeps you on track, I've done it in the past and I don't do it currently, but I know, again, statistically, you're two to three times more likely to stay on track when you have some kind of accountability, whether it's your phone, or a calendar at home, a big whiteboard, uh, whatever. And then finally, if you do forget, let's say you forget that one day of a protein shake or your kids have a game on Wednesday and you don't get to go, it's all right. Like, don't sweat it, relax, but don't let it happen again. It's, it's basically, don't miss the, the habit or the chance for a habit more than once because Again, statistically, you're going to continue that spiral if you let that happen again and again and again. And all of a sudden, that bad habit, or I'm sorry, that habit that you wanted to get rid of or start a new one has now completely fallen apart and you have to start from scratch. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where people really get frustrated, myself Mm -hmm. included. So try not to miss more than once whatever that small micro habit is. It's okay to have one one misstep, but try not to make it a a, a uh, multiple time misstep. And I think sometimes when people, at least this is a hundred percent how I am, but I think it's common when people have a misstep and they maybe mess up one day or one time, they tend to let it. They get so hard on themselves that they let it kind of spiral into the next day, and then before you know it, you're just completely ruined your whole routine for a whole week and that's how I am with certain things and it 
it is, it's frustrating after kind of like working on building a habit for a month or however long you've been at something and then you totally screw it up. So, you know, don't sweat, you know, getting out of routine for a day. Don't let that spiral into a week. I was just listening to a conversation uh, last week and I remember the guy said, uh, I was doing really good and then I had one potato chip with my son and I found out that I ate the whole bag. And then I said, <laughs> screw it. He didn't say those words, but <laughs> he he literally went off the wagon for the rest of the week. Mm-hmm. The week, not just the day or the meal, the whole week. So this is tough, man. I mean, we're talking about deep-rooted brain chemistry that does not like to be changed. And I, I have so many examples, and I'm sure Andrea does and everybody does, mm-hmm. of things that you've done for so long that it is hard to get out of. Uh, that habit or that pattern which segues into our last section how to break a bad habit it also has four laws which you basically reverse the laws of a good habit so the first one would be to make it invisible a perfect example and this is very easy if you don't want to eat chips anymore get rid of the chips Mm -hmm. put them lock them away don't buy them if you are so hungry for chips that two in the morning you run to the grocery store in your pajamas, then I guess you're just not ready. The queue isn't strong enough. And I, I'm sure I remember when I was competing, I would be spot on with my progress where I needed to be and I found myself inhaling fast food. I just, it, because I drove by it. And I was, I was just, I had a moment of weakness. So it happens. But mm-hmm. I will say back to what we talked about a few minutes ago, I was right back on the next meal. So it, it does happen. It does happen. Second law would be the inversion of the previous one to make it unattractive. So when you are eating bad foods, think about how gross you're going to feel afterwards. Think about the, the oil on your hands from potato chips. Think about how it's going to fall out your butthole the next day because your (laughs) body rejects it. (laughs) I mean, make it as unpleasant as you can. And maybe, just maybe, that'll prevent you from continuing that habit. Or this this bag of potato chips is going to go right to my ass. I mean, just, just come up with the craziest notions and ideas and see if that helps you get rid of that bad habit. So the inversion of the third law which was to make it easy, the inversion of that is to make it difficult. So again, uh, if we use our potato chip uh, um, example, A, if you have to have them in the house, maybe your kids like them, your spouse likes them, put it somewhere or just tell them, hey, hide it from me. (laughs) It sounds corny. Don't tell me where it's at, no matter what. If I have a gun at your head, don't even tell me then. But just make it extremely difficult for these habits that you're trying to break. If, the ha- if it's still there, you're going to cave in. It, it seems to be just human nature to cave in to the desires that you want, especially if you've been doing them at a long time. Have a buddy that holds you responsible. So if I wanted to stop eating potato, potato chips, and every time I did, I told Andrea, and she punched me in the penis. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I would stop eating them. Because... It hurts. So 
if we have that accountability <laughs> with each other. Any habits you're trying to? I'm good on the potato <laughs> chips, but yeah. Uh, but I'm serious. I mean, there's nothing like, or if you say, I'll meet you at the gym at 6.30 to your, your workout buddy, and then you don't show up, they have some kind of consequence waiting for you. It's amazing. $5 in a job. <laughs> there's actually, a, what is that website where you 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 put money into an account and then if you don't follow through with your promise they keep the money what really what is the name of that oh my gosh i need to do this i need it's i'll have to look up what that is we'll put that in the show notes if i find it yeah and so it's a financial consequence if you don't follow through with your actions and some people are motivated by that by money either they lose money or they get the money that they already put in so anyway find out whatever works for you if it's a person if it's technology like that if it's physical pain uh whatever works for you and then finally the inversion of the fourth law would be to make it unsatisfying and one of the best ways would be if you have a partner that makes your life hell because you stood him or her up and they were waiting for you to exercise or i give andrea a hundred dollars every single month the start of the month for every week i am i am compliant with my routine she gives me 25 dollars. if i'm not she keeps the 25 dollars. and again that's just one way but you can make like a contract with yourself technology with a person and it's amazing whatever you're motivated by so if i'm not motivated by money so it won't work for me but if i said to andrea for every time I eat a bag of potato chips, I'm going to give you 10 of my favorite records. Dang. I would, I would not eat, eat any more potato <laughs> chips because my record collection is like my money. So if it's got to be something that is important to you and that you cherish. And for some people, they don't want to give their money to anybody. And, and so maybe that's what you do. But make it unsatisfying. Make it unpleasant. And then hopefully that'll help break that bad habit. So a few takeaways or a few things we might not have said, but I just want to mention um, with kind of that common question of how to, how do you stay motivated? Um, you're not always going to be motivated, so you have to build some sort of system for habits, developing habits and discipline over time. Um, so kind of keep that in the back of your head when you're thinking about discipline. Um, Setting goals is a great way, and I think that just writing them down, whether you just do small um, achievable goals or you do a combination of having big goals and small goals, I think that that's a really great thing to do. Uh, When you're setting goals, I think, you know, having something that's like six to eight weeks, something that's kind of small um, but helps keep you accountable. Um, Sometimes if you tend to set things too big like a few months I think that a lot of people tend to be like oh well if I mess up this week I still have I could you know still have next week so setting goals kind of in a six to eight week range um I think once you start to get those small habits down or you have those small wins you start to kind of build momentum which I think kind of helps you stay motivated in a sense once you see that you could develop a really good positive habit for yourself or maybe break a bad one it gives you that momentum to you know try for that next habit that you have I think (laughs) I can't look at it (laughs) having something to look forward to 
um, or kind of like a small reward for yourself. Um, again, if you're doing it with like a partner or something and you have some sort of like monetary reward or something that keeps you from doing bad habits, that's good. But something that I do with myself sometimes is if I've kind of reached my like four week goals, the things I want to do in say a month, then for me, my reward is letting myself get my nails done, which sounds stupid, but it's not anything diet or fitness related. It's something totally different. And I hate when my nails look like crap. So that's actually works pretty well for me. Um, and then same for me. Yeah. (laughs) Is that what you do? (laughs) My toenails though. Yeah. Yeah. Are they pink right now? (laughs) (laughs) No, I've been bad. So they're you don't get any color (laughs) and then something else this is something I struggle with but people have asked me you know what do you do on the days when you don't feel like going to the gym when that thought kind of creeps in your mind like oh well I could just go tomorrow even though you said at the beginning of the week like Monday Friday Monday Wednesday Friday are the days I'm going to the week my best advice for that is to just do it stop thinking about it and just go I do that especially with yoga because they have different class times all day You know, I told myself I'd go to 8 o'clock, but then I'm like, oh, well, you know, I could do laundry right now and then just go to 10 o'clock. And then I keep pushing it back, oh, I'll just go to noon. And then I never end up doing it. So anytime those thoughts creep into your head, you just need to do it. And most of the time, I think once you get 10 minutes into doing whatever it is that you don't want to do, then you're fine. So if that's you driving home from work and you were going to go to the 530 class on your way home from work, like, oh, well, I'm hungry. I could stop home first and I'll go to 630. Your chances of going to the 6.30 class are probably pretty slim. So just do it. Stop thinking about it. Don't overthink it. Yeah. If you if you make this too complicated, it feels like, and we're easy to say this, and, and I hope you don't get mad, but because we live this stuff mm-hmm. every day, and we, we're trying to put ourselves in your world as much as we can. However... This stuff isn't that hard. It's mm-hmm. not that complicated. It's simple. If, not easy, but simple. Yes. If if the cue is not strong enough for you to exercise and eat right and live a healthy life, you're not going to do it, at least not on a consistent basis. If your if your cue is to make a lot of money, you will do that because you're driven by that. You have the discipline to work long hours to do whatever it takes to achieve that goal. Uh, so the cue has to be stronger than your desire to stop it. There's really no other way around it. And you will have much more of a up and down zigzag journey towards the end destination than a true linear straight line path. So you're going to have setbacks, but never let it derail your overall effort. for listening to our podcast today. Today's episode was powered by Adrenaline Sports and Fitness, Cincy Cheer Strength, Andrea Renee Fitness, with music provided by Deadstream. We'll have all the links in the show notes for websites and social media content. Mm-hmm.